0: Praise God. If you got your Bible this morning, ask you to open it up. I'm asking you to open it up to two passages this morning. First passage is going to be in James chapter 3, and then the second passage is going to be in 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 20. I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So, first passage is in uh, the book of James. Uh, this morning, title of message, or what I'm talking about, is a Potty Mouth, and everybody knows what a potty mouth is, uh, but it's going to be a little bit different. You know, uh, there, there are no uh, 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 bad words, I guess, in the Bible. You know, they aren't dropping any bombs. And I'm not even going to throw a letter out there because then you automatically, I thought about like saying a letter and then something else, but then you automatically, that word like boomerangs into your brain. And then you're like, oh, I got to wash my brain. So I'm not even going to go there with that. But those particular words... Uh, aren't in the New Testament or the Old Testament, but there are words in the Bible that God, it drives him crazy and he can't stand them and he doesn't like them and I want to explore some of those words this morning. We're going to be and have, uh, going to be looking at words the past uh, uh, me and my wife did uh, words in your home a couple of weeks ago and we're going to be looking at the next couple of weeks just the value of words, your own words. How many of of y'all know no, the sticks and stones what it may break my bones but words never never hurt me yes they do words carry weight they're very valuable and in uh, the bible actually says in hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 it says that we know this is we know it says we know that god framed the world with the word of God. What's that mean? Well, we know that the way that the earth was created. Everybody knows Genesis 1.1. 1, 1, In the beginning, the earth, the earth was void without form. And, but then God, the spirit of God began to move upon the face of the deep. And God said, boom. So God begins to frame up or build uh, uh, the world with his words. I meant to bring my framing gun. How many of you know what a framing gun is? Keith knows what a framing gun is. Some of y'all know what a framing gun is. And it's a gun that you use to frame a home with. It doesn't shoot bullets. It shoots nails and it can be pretty fun just throwing that out there it could be fun I'm not, not even going to tell you it, listen it can be awesome but you take a framing gun you put a stick up you take that framing gun and you go and you shoot that nail radically through one piece of wood into it. no more of this hammer who needs that that's antiquated technology. We need to shoot that gun. And you can frame or you can build up a home with some wood and with a, a framing gun. Well we know that God's framing gun was underneath his nose. And the book of James says that your own framing gun, the own way that you can frame up your own world it, it says in the book of James it says is that it comes by way of your mouth. The same way that God framed up the world the Bible says that your mouth has a lot to do with the direction of your life tremendous amount uh to do with your the the direction that your life goes follows the way that your mouth goes and i'm not going to preach that whole message again but in james chapter 3 i will read this because i'm not talking this morning about speaking words over your family Although that's good that's a whole nother sermon you can take you can find scriptures that promise you things. you can hide the Bible says, hide those scriptures in your heart, and then you can declare those scriptures out of your mouth. Jesus said that you speak to a mountain, and it would Move, And the Bible says that it would be thrown into the sea. Or in other words, there would be no evidence that it was ever there. They didn't, Jesus said, I'm not just going to move one mountain to another place. He said, I'll actually, uh, you can actually speak to that thing and put it in the ocean to where there's no evidence that it was ever there. So your mouth is powerful. If it'll move mountains, it'll move anything. I mean, I'm glad Jesus didn't say, you know, you can speak to a molehill. No, he he's looking out at the landscape, the topography of that day and he's surrounded by his disciples and all of these multitudes of people and he sees these mountains surrounding him and he says who shall ever shall say unto that mountain in not you just see Jesus pointing to an insurmountable object there I mean they didn't have dozers and all that type of stuff that we have now now if we want to move a mountain we blow it up who did I speak to man I spoke to someone yesterday that's what they do they demolition they dynamite things I thought what a great godly manly job just blowing things up every day. Awesome. Well, they didn't have that back then. Jesus said, listen, there's power in your words that you can move mountains. And we spent some time talking about finding scriptures. If you're believing God for your health or if you're believing God financially, if you're believing God for a loved one or for someone in your family, you can find scriptures. You can stand on those scriptures and you can declare those scriptures. And and the thing is this, many times you speak, and it doesn't seem like it, it's doing any good. But the Bible says to hold fast to your confession of faith. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, the same way that you get saved. How many of y'all ever feel uh, just not saved? Am I the only one? And I'm a preacher. But there are days I just wake up and I feel, I don't feel saved a bit. Don't feel saved. Needs need some food. <laughs> Different circumstances, situations in your life can, 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 can alter the way that you feel, but listen, it, the, your salvation is not dependent upon your feelings. I'm mean, y'all glad about that? Come on, whether you feel saved or not, you still save. Why? Because you believe the word of God and the word of God says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. God raised you from the dead. You shall be saved. So you you make your feelings line up with the word not the word line up with your feelings. So the same thing is true sometimes whenever there's situations in your life and you know Jesus said speak to it and you begin that process and you think I've been saying these things about my teenager for a while now and they're still hooked still an addict still having these difficulties how many of y'all know it takes a while to move a mountain you ever tried to move one go get you a shovel see how long it takes you ever tried to build a house you got to frame a house one stick at a time. You want to tear that house down? You take it down a stick at a time. Sometimes we want to speak to some things and that they just vanish. Boof, they're gone. Now, you know, really the Word of God's not like that. It took God seven days to build the earth. And we don't even know. We think of seven days as being 24 hours a day. But the Bible says that God in heaven, that one day is as a thousand years. So it could have taken six or seven thousand years just to build the earth. And we think it took God only seven days well maybe it took seven of his days and not seven of ours bible doesn't say so sometimes we like to tear down mountains in such a way that we want it fast because we like our food fast we fast forward through the commercials how many y'all got that ability isn't that a wonderful man i don't want to watch the pampers commercial just fast forward right through that baby well listen that's what we want in the word of god but that's not always the case So there's lots of things, lots of things about speaking. But actually, I'm not even going to speak to any of those today. I'm not going to talk about you or your family or the words you speak over that or even the words that you speak about yourself. This morning, I want to talk about the words that you say about God. What do you say about God? James chapter 3, verse number 13. I'm sorry. Verse number 9, it says, We'll get there. It says with with it. It he's talking about your mouth. He says with your mouth you bless our God and Father, but with the same mouth you curse men. How many of you ever done that? God, I love you, he Blake. <laughs> he says, my brother, these things ought not to be so. How many of you have ever praised God one moment and complained about him another moment? God, you're awesome awesome on Sunday and then on Monday you totally undo your praises just with the words that you speak with with your I don't feel like uh, I can make it or God's with me or that I can accomplish this he says these things ought not be so verse 11 he says does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening can a fig tree my brethren bear olives or a grapevine bear figs Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So I don't want to talk about the speaking to men part here. That's a whole nother message. The part that I want to talk about this morning is the words that we say to God. Is it possible that we worship God at one moment and then with our words we, uh, we complain and we ridicule Him at the same time, thus giving ourselves what He would call potty mouth? In the Old Testament, every time they would complain and talk against God, he would get so mad. Y'all remember all the times whenever God would come to Moses and he'd say, Moses, how long are these people going to complain against me? I've rained down manna from heaven. I brought them out of Egypt. They walked through the Red Sea. I gave them a rock that pours out water. And no matter what I do for them and how I show myself strong to them, they keep doubting and complaining me and speaking against me, I think I'm going to kill them all. And then Moses would step in. Am y'all glad for Moses? Thank God for Moses. Thank God for somebody that'll step up and say, no, 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 God don't do that. They're just ignorant. Well, thank you, Moses. But then there were other times when Moses would come to God and say, I wish you would kill them. Have you ever felt like that? One minute you want to save them, the next minute you're like, just take them. I I see what you see now. They're driving me crazy. How am I supposed to do this? And and the Bible says that God gave Moses. He says, find some other people to help you. You're going to need people to help you. But, But constantly there's this going back and forth with our words. We have a spring, and one minute it's a bitter swing, spring, and one minute it, it's, a, it's a praise spring. He says, this is not, not supposed to be so. So the, the word I want to give you this morning is the word praise. I mean, all know what praise is. Everything I've said up until this point is really about that word praise, but I'm trying not to use the word praise because that's a church term. Nobody else says praise outside of the church. No coaches are on the sideline. Praise you, Johnny. Way to get it in. Praise you, Johnny. No, that's not really a word that we use. Praise is really a a church word, and everybody has a different uh, connotation of what they think that praise is. If you grew up Episcopalian, like my wife, praise in church may mean something different. If you grew up charismatic, there may be some banners. Some tambourines getting some done. There may be some, some fast footwork. Different denominations, different people see praise as, as, as a different, uh, the different expression. But here, the story that I want to read to you this morning there is no band. There's no band, there's no singers, there's no tambourines, there's no banners, uh, there's no pipe organ. There's none of that, and yet you can praise God without any instruments. We all know that this morning. You can, with your own mouth and with your own words, you can choose how to, you can choose to rip the roof off of heaven and allow God to pour through that roof right into your life come on this morning this night just regular I know some of y'all are like oh it's church regular church no this morning ain't nothing regular about it if you can get this engrafted into your heart then whenever you want him you can just just rip off how I many y'all remember in the New Testament whenever the the, the house was packed and nobody uh, nobody else could get in the room and Jesus is standing in there and then those four guys come and they just rip a hole in the roof and they allow that man to come down into the presence of jesus come on if you can take this word and this message and get it buried down deep on the inside of you whenever you want something supernatural in your life you can rip a hole in the roof of heaven and just allow him to so envelop you but it all happens underneath your nose Come on, the Bible says that the answer is a little nearer by than you think. It's the words that you speak. Or in other words, uh, the Bible says sometimes we think that, that, that he, he actually says, he says, you're wanting to, to, to bring God down, down. We're God come down, God come down. And, and the Bible tells us, he says, your answer is a little nearer by. He, 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 the next thing he says, he says, it's the words that you speak. So if you want to bring God down, it's not that you've got to go up to heaven and say, rain down, Well, where are you? No, he says, your answer is underneath your nose. And if you want his presence, baby, you can tear the roof off this morning. So the word praise is what we're looking about. I want to talk to you about praising the Lord or using your words to praise. But there'll be no tambourines this morning. Well, there was one. Where, where's Jesus? there is one there was one tambourine but here i want to look at this passage of scripture glory to god if you got your bible first chronicles chapter i keep saying that second chronicles chapter 20 this here is a man named uh, jehoshaphat i mean i know there's just some people in the bible that you like there's just some of them that you just once you read about him you like i like fat joe I like him. Look at just the last four letters of his name. is P-H-A-T. Fat Joe. I just like him already. I just like this guy. Fat Joe. Verse uh, verse number one of uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It says, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others. Everybody say others. So we got two kings about to come, but he says there's other kings involved here. And it says that besides the Ammonites, they came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you. How many have ever been there? A great multitude, he says, not, not, not one person, not one adversity, not one situation in your life. But he says a whole multitude are people. And you can imagine back then uh, you would have the nation of Israel sitting here. And, and, and at night it's black dark and you could look out at black dark and you could see the lanterns of the candles of the soldiers that are on their way. And you look in each direction and you say, well, there's the Ammonites over there and their candles are lit. I'm sure they're, they're sharpening their bows. They're about to come. And then you can look back here and you got the Syrians and you can see their candles lit. And you don't know what day or when they're, when they're going to do it, but you can see the storm is on the horizon. And, and, and they come to Jehoshaphat and they say, you've got these people that are positioning themselves all around you. And suddenly this multitude is going to come and it's going to wreck you. And it's not going to just affect you, but he's a king. So he's carrying the weight of not just his own family. And how many of y'all know back then war was nasty. There were no POWs. There was no NATO. Thank God there was no Guant- Guantanamo. There was no prison system. Back then they came in and the, the good looking wives, they're now their wives. The, 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 the old men, they would kill. The young men, they would enslave. And they would take over and pillage and run. So Jehoshaphat, he knows that once these people attack, it's going to affect every family that he represents. His own wife is about to be the wife of another king. His own kids are about to be the slave of another person. Financially, there will be total disaster. And, and, and on a multitude, there's just a swirling about of his life That's just flashing now as these people come and speak to him. Isn't the brain amazing? The, the brain is so amazing because your brain has a, such a way that you can take all of this information and in just a second, there's a multitude coming against you. Your brain will spit out about 900 scenarios of death and destruction faster than the speed of sound. You see your kid getting handcuffed and your wife getting taken away and just immediately there's a whole thing that goes on in your brain that tells you this is not about to be good. And it all happens that fast. Let's see what Jehoshaphat's response is. Multitude. Not not gonna be good. So some came and told him a great multitude's coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are at Hazar Tamar, which is in, in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared y'all think there's nothing wrong with getting afraid sometimes we're always told in the bible fear not but here you got a man that loves God and God loves him and he totally he fears why because his brain just is like this is not going to be good for anybody involved you know there's such a thing as healthy fear I I used to hunt uh, at a place that this guy's name is Kendall Gio and Kendall Gio's his his land was infested with snakes so you're always, you're trying to look at the trees for the animals, but you're always looking, uh, you're looking at the ground for snakes. And you wouldn't go 10 yards and you would have to shoot, a, 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 you'd shoot a moccasin. And you'd go another 10 yards and there'd be another water moccasin. That, but I, have, I had a healthy, you can have a healthy fear of snakes and still be in line with the scriptures. I'm going to go ahead and tell you all that because the scripture says fear not. So, so some people, they, they're of the persuasion, oh, i ain't afraid of that snake. They're going to cut your leg off. After it bites you in your ankle. So there's nothing wrong with with some type of fear. It's what you do with that fear. Can you harness it? Can you recognize it? And can you use it? And we're going to see what what Jehoshaphat does with his fear. And then I'm going to give you some, some keys here that I believe will help you. It says that Jehoshaphat feared and, but this was his response, he set himself to seek The Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord God, our fathers, Are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdom of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to stand against you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and they've built you a sanctuary in it for your name. If disaster comes on us, whether it's sword or judgment or or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and we cry out to you in our affliction, and you hear and save. How many of y'all like this man. Come in, the horizon of his life is littered with people that are trying to take him out, and his response is, is it may have been his it may have been I'm a little afraid, but I ain't afraid long. So I want to give you, if you've got your bulletin there, I just a few things that really stand out to me about this man and about the problem that, that he's having in his life and his response. The first thing that I notice about this guy, when calamity comes, and again, there's a whirlwind, and it's not just about him. And listen, you may not have a bunch of enemies surrounding you, but the day may come. Come on, life may be peachy right now, but give it a couple years. You don't know what tomorrow holds and the weapons, are the, it's good to stockpile ammo. Let I me mean, know what that means. Just fill the safe with ammo in case. I don't need it now, but I don't know what tomorrow holds. So you may not need any of this now, but you may need it later. And I want to show you his response. The first thing that Jehoshaphat did not do was complain. It doesn't say anything in there about this, but that just jumps off the page about me. About the, the first response for Jehoshaphat, whenever I'm reading, it says that he didn't fear. Well, that sounds like number one, but actually that's number two. Number one, The number one thing I notice here about Jehoshaphat is he didn't complain. He didn't get into this uh, 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 whining. Why me? Why is this happening to me? He never goes down that road. Isn't that impressive? To me, that's just impressive. One time I was driving, and the Lord said, He said, Be not drunk with wine. You all know that scripture. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But I was, going, I was having a pity party. How many of you ever drive and had one of those? Almost run off the road. Just having a pity party. Things ain't going well. The church this, and they did this, and then I'm having a pity party. And that, the Lord just brought me that scripture. Be not drunk with wine. But, but the Lord... He is so silly. The Lord is so silly sometimes. He changed the lettering on me. He said the wine is not W-I-N-E. It's W-H-I-N-E. He says be not drunk with wine wherein it is excess. In other words, what the Lord trying to tell me? He says you're riding around getting intoxicated on your own pity. And there's an excess of it. And then you surround yourself with people that are like that. And it fills up your life and pollutes your life. He says, don't get drunk with W-H-I-N-E. Be filled with the Spirit of God and allow Him to just open up the possibilities. So then I have a choice. I can say, well, I ain't doing it. I like my wine. I like my wine. Or I have a choice. I say, you know what? And then I just start recounting. First thing that Jehoshaphat did not do is he didn't complain. I love that. The second thing that he did is he did fear. But there's there's nothing wrong with, with a little bit of healthy fear. Healthy fear can drive you to make decisions. It can push you into the presence of God. Whenever bad things happen and you get afraid, sometimes that's the very thing you need for you to turn the television off. Well, I don't know. Sometimes bad things happen. That's the very thing you need. There's been times whenever bad things happen to me, and then I'll, I'll just go. I'll, I, how many of y'all ever had something bad to you, and food don't taste the same at that moment? Anybody ever done that? I, I remember whenever, whenever my dad found out that, that he was very sick. And, and ever since then, we would be eating dinner, and he'd say, food don't taste the same. He said, before I found out I was real sick, I'd be tearing this steak to pieces. Just throwing it everywhere. Ham bone, just just, just deliciousness. But he says, once calamity hits, he says, the things that you enjoy, he says, it just doesn't, doesn't quite taste the same anymore. So sometimes bad things happen and your initial, your initial uh, thing is fear. But here, what, what did the fear do for Jehoshaphat? Well, the third thing that it did is it got him in position. It put him in position. And the Bible says that to get in position, what did he do? The Bible says that that, that Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord. How many of y'all know that don't happen on accident? Nobody? I guess I'm the only one that recognizes that, listen, if you're going to set yourself to seek the Lord, it sure ain't going to happen on accident. And then he says he started to fast. How many of y'all know fasting does not happen on accident? Anybody? I mean, for me, it's like whenever I make a decision to fast, it better be a solid decision. Because when mom in law walks in with the chocolate cake, we may go the other direction and fast tomorrow. <laughs> Just put it off a day. Give me 12 hours. My wife, uh, and I, she didn't want. No, I was going to say this, wasn't interested, I'm not blow it to her own horn but she just did like a three-day fast and my birthday was yesterday so they're doing cake and all this kind of stuff and uh and she's just sitting there boom she just taking that she's eating she, i'm eating cake i ain't fasting it's like hey it's my birthday my birthday hey uh so i'm eating my cake you know but her she's fasting well listen that stuff don't happen on accident so the first thing he did he says i'm not going to complain he said, fear may come, but he says he knew. He says, if I can get myself in the right position, get myself in the right frame of mind, and if I can, if I can position myself to hear from God, then things can totally change. So he didn't just position himself, but it actually the Bible says he gathered the assembly, or all of Judah. I mean, I know it's important who you, who you get around you. It's important who you can call upon to say this is, this is what I'm seeing in my life on the horizon. There's things that are coming, and I need to do this. So he gathers other people amongst himself and gets himself in position. He seeks the Lord. But then the next thing that he did, and this is really where I'm going, is, the, is he began to praise God. Now, he didn't use again. There was no tambourines. There was no band. There was no organ. So I'm hesitant to even use the word praise because that's such a church term. But how many of y'all know he's not in church right now? No steeple, no stained glass. He's standing in the middle of a desert looking out at things that are coming against him. No, no organ, no sheet music. No, this is just a man. And, and, and But his response, I believe, is awesome. And I want to read it to you again. He just begins to brag. He says, O oh Lord, our God, are you not God in heaven? So if there's two words, I just want you to remember this week. This week. it's Some of you say, uh... I can't, I can't gather all of it. If you'll just take these two words, uh, uh, and then whenever these situations arise, you're going to have a choice. Bitter water, sweet water, words of life. The Bible says, choose ye this day whom you shall serve. Choose life or death, blessing, curse. So you, you could choose words of life, or you can choose words of uh, of death the Bible says you can choose words uh, that bless or you could choose words that curse so this week if not this week maybe next week maybe next year whenever things happen to you I'm challenging you to uh, uh, to, to be willing to open your mouth and what are you going to say about God in the situations that come got laid off your son got arrested whatever those are the moments listen the Bible says anybody can praise God when things are going good how many of y'all know that's right how many of you do that praise in church before? Pastor Matt? Anybody can do that when things are going good. Find some people doing this when they just got laid off. It's very difficult, and yet this is the, this is the attitude that this person had. But let's see what the result was. Because he goes on, and he just begins to praise, just begins to magnify or extol. The, the way the Lord showed it to me was a laser. How many of y'all know what a laser is? A laser. Anybody? <laughs> You remember that show? What a great show. A big laser. Sorry. Lasers just take the protons and neutrons, and things are all spread out and they're all scattered out and they're all over the place. But a laser uses mirrors to hone all of that information down. And it focuses it. It focuses it to a point. Uh, it just brings it all down. And one of the things the Lord spoke to me just this week about this is that the, the, you can have a myriad of different information, bad things, all this stuff going on in your brain. Uh, externally, you can have all of this stuff, multitudes of people doing all of this stuff. But if you can take all of that information, and what praise really does is it's taken all of that, but it focuses that energy down into... Now you have something that actually can work, can actually destroy things. Laser-guided missiles, man, they're amazing because you take that laser and you can, you can put something on a dime. And praise really does that. It takes all the information and it factors all that, but it brings all of that. In him, he begins to recount all of the past. And he says, God, you did this when we were over here. And God, you did this when we were over there. And God, you did this back then. And you didn't do it for just me, but you did it for so-and-so. And you did it for so-and-so. And it takes all of that information. Now it's down to a point to where this guy can use it. The Bible says there's two other scriptures there I'll just read to you. And then I'll go on to the, the last one. It says, James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear slow to speak, and slow to wrath. How many of y'all got that mastered? Anybody? How many of y'all got the PhD in that one? How many of y'all glad that verse is in there? Check. Got that one. No. He says, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. What's that mean? Well, a lot of times we, we think that has to do with people. Somebody chews you out and you're like, oh, I'm being... Slow to speak right now and slow to anger. If I were not doing what the Bible tells me to do here, I would unhinge your head from your shoulders. But because I'm obeying the Scriptures, you're giving them all that information about how you're holding it together. But I believe here that verse is not just has to do with people. I believe that whenever things are going all over the place, you have a choice here to be slow to speak I've got to slow my thinking down because what happens is, how many of y'all ever, you're thinking, 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 and then it falls out your mouth and you're like, oh God, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to just say that right there. All of that stuff, all that information is going on, but one thing that Jehoshaphat did, even without this New Testament scripture, he could take all that information and he realized, right now is not the time to say anything. He didn't go find a group of people. He didn't get together with some club. He didn't spout off a bunch of this. No, he really, he was slow to speak. And the Bible says that he was quick to hear. What was he hearing for? He wasn't trying to get counsel from a bunch of different people. No, he positioned himself to hear from God. And once he got in position, he wasn't hearing from, trying to hear from people. What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? No, that's not what he's doing. He's being slow to speak. Because I'm not saying anything right here. I'm going to position myself before the Lord. And now I'm listening down here. Slow to anger, slow to wrath. Or you can just work yourself up just by complaining. No, the last verse I want to give you is in Psalms chapter 141. It says, set a guard, O Lord, over my bank account. No, not what it says. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Very interesting. The psalmist David here, he says, The thing that I need to guard my most is not my 401k. He said, The thing that I need to have a guard at is the very thing is just my mouth. Because he says, I need to set a guard over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. How many don't you know what a guard is? How many of you ever seen like a mall guard? How many, how many, that guy's lethal? How many, just kidding. I shouldn't say that. But how many of y'all seen like, like you know, you got differ- you got some guards that it's like, you don't even know he's a guard because he's hidden. He's like secret service. And then whenever you make your move, your skull is on the pavement. We were watching the JFK thing just this last week, man. He's surrounded by these guys. The only thing they got is this little earpiece. And if you flinch, if you look the wrong way, you're up against the wall, baby. You're in the back of a car. Why? Well, that's, that's just two different types of guards. And sometimes we have the, the mall cop guard. And we'll just let anything, just let anything go. We're not slow to speak. But, but here, uh, I believe that, that if you'll put this guard there, that whenever calamity comes, you can come out of it. The last thing that he did is, is then, after all of this... Verse 10, it says, he begins to plead his case. He says, oh, now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them, and they did not destroy them. Now, these people are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit it. What's happening here? He's telling the Lord, he says, Lord, you've promised me some things. God, there's some things that you promised me that are mine. They're my possession. They're my inheritance. And this situation in my life is trying to rob me of your promises kind of getting serious here and what's God say God doesn't God doesn't say well you know no let's see what the Lord says then verse 14 says then the spirit of the Lord came upon uh, this particular guy Jehaziel the son of Zachariah, the son of Benaiah the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly and he said listen all of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat thus saith the Lord to you do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this multitude for the battle is not yours, but God. And then God gives them a plan. And I don't have time to go into the whole plan, but we'll just fast forward a few verses here because it's very, it's very interesting their strategy here. Because God gives them a plan, but God's plan is you don't have to fight in this battle. I just want you to celebrate in this battle, which is so unusual. I was just thinking about, oh, it's 11 o'clock. If you ever go to the D-Day Museum in in downtown New Orleans, wonderful museum, the reason that museum is down there is because the boats that they used to storm Normandy were invented by a man from New Orleans. And those boats, whenever they would hit that beach in Normandy, the, the, the front of it would fall down and those soldiers would go off and they're ready for battle. What's interesting is this particular battle, they're about to storm the beaches of these other people, but the people that God says, these are the people I want out of the boat first I want you to get a bunch of praisers say what he says put the archers in the back of the boat put the swordsmen in the back of the boat put the trebuchets that throw the big rocks put all of them about three boats behind obviously they aren't in boats because they're in a desert but he says put them behind he says whenever they hit the beach the first people I want out front are people that know uh, how to get their mouth moving the right direction. Glory to God. Verse 21, it says, When they consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing praise to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. So they went out before the army and they were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, sent ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come out against Judah, and they were defeated. The actual literal translation is that they were self-slaughtered themselves. No arrows were shot, no swords were swung, no trebuchets, no big stones. None of that. God said, He says put people out in front that know how to use the weapon of their mouth and then get out of the way. I got this. And then it says, verse 24, it says, Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness. They looked towards the multitude, and they were all dead. Verse 25, it says, Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil. And it says, they found them in abundance of valuables among the dead bodies, precious jewelry, which they stripped off to carry away from themselves more than they could carry away. It took them three days to gather up the spoil. They put the praisers out front. God did the rest. And it took them three days to gather it up. I wish I could finish reading it, but I can't this morning. Last thing on your bulletin there is the benefits of praise. And again, praise, I don't want you to get locked into that word because sometimes you think, well, I don't have a band. Listen, this is stuff that goes on at about 5 o'clock on Monday morning. It's just you and the Lord. And you got situations and you got choices. This stuff happens at at 5 o'clock in the evening around the dinner table whenever you're trying to balance the checkbook with your wife. This stuff happens at Tuesday when you're picking up your kid from carpool, and They're telling you about some of the mistakes that they made at school. And now underneath your nose, you have the potential. You have the ability to speak words in life and to speak words that open up heaven. God, I need you in this situation. Well, there's only one way to get him in there. And that's the way that Jehoshaphat did it. Let's pray this morning.